Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Time Capsule Tales. I'm Chase, and I'm thrilled you've joined us today. We've got an incredible journey through history lined up for you, one that's sure to spark your curiosity. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and let's get ready to unlock the secrets of the past together. Now let's dive in. Let's rewind the clock to 1947. World War II just ended a few years before. You're in the arid, unforgiving landscape of the Judean desert. You've joined Mohammed Ed-Dib and his cousin on what seems like a routine errand, locating a stray goat that's wandered away from the flock. The sun is a harsh companion, casting long shadows as it begins its descent. The desert is a place of extremes, and today is no different. It's just you, the shepherds, and an endless expanse of sand and rock. As you walk, Muhammad's cousin spots something, a series of caves in the distance, half hidden by the undulating terrain. Could the lost goat have sought refuge there? The three of you decide to investigate. The closer you get, the more the atmosphere changes. The heat of the day and finding the goat occupy your mind as you walk. You reach the caves, and Muhammad, ahead of the group, picks up a stone. Clearly bored, he places a well-aimed throw, sending the rock sailing into the dark recesses of one of the caves. A moment later, you hear it. The unmistakable sound of pottery shattering. The air grows thick with tension. You exchange glances with Muhammad and his cousin. Something fragile has just been disturbed. You're in the middle of nowhere. There should be nothing fragile hiding in caves way out here. Part 1. The Treasure Hunt who found it, and who owns it. After Muhammad Ed-Dib and his cousins stumbled upon the scrolls, they quickly realized they had something valuable on their hands. The scrolls were initially sold to antiquities dealers in Bethlehem. From there they changed hands multiple times, eventually landing with Eleazar Sukhanik, an Israeli archaeologist who grasped their historical significance. The discovery ignited a wave of archaeological interest. Roland DeVoe led the first official excavation in 1949, exploring the eleven Qumran caves near the Dead Sea. Over the years, these digs unearthed around 900 manuscripts and thousands of fragments. Preserving these fragile texts was a monumental challenge. Early attempts at preservation were far from ideal, involving adhesive tape and household glue. It wasn't until conservation experts stepped in that the scrolls were properly cared for, ensuring their longevity for future study. Ownership of the scrolls quickly became a contentious issue. Initially discovered in the West Bank, which was under Jordanian control in 1947, Jordan had a legitimate claim. However, the scrolls quickly ended up in Israeli hands and were studied by Israeli scholars, adding another layer to the ownership debate. The dynamics shifted again after the Six-Day War in 1967, when Israel captured the West Bank, including the area where the scrolls were found. Both Israel and Jordan had arguments for their ownership of the scrolls. Israel had purchased and studied the scrolls, while Jordan claimed them as part of their cultural heritage since they were found on Jordanian-controlled land at the time of discovery. The question of ownership isn't just academic. It's deeply entangled in the geopolitics of the Middle East, touching on national boundaries, historical stewardship, and the ever-changing political landscape of the region. Part 2. Backdrop Drama. The Turbulent Times Behind the Scrolls. 
The Dead Sea Scrolls were written during a tumultuous period stretching from the 3rd century BCE to the 1st century CE, with the majority of the scrolls dated to the Second Temple period, which spans from 530 BCE to 70 CE. This was a time of significant change, both politically and culturally, which deeply influenced the region where the scrolls were discovered. The area where the scrolls were found was a geopolitical chessboard, with major empires vying for control. First there was Alexander the Great, who conquered the region and spread Greek culture, a period known as Hellenistic rule. After Alexander's death his empire was divided, and the part that included the Dead Sea area came under the control of the Seleucids, one of the successor states. Eventually the Romans took over, bringing with them their own set of laws and customs. Each change in rulership had a ripple effect, altering everything from the legal system to religious practices. Now living under foreign rule didn't sit well with everyone. The Seleucids, for instance, tried to impose Greek customs and religious practices on the Jewish population. This led to the Maccabean Revolt, a Jewish uprising aiming to reclaim religious freedom and self-governance. Fast forward a bit and you have the Romans in charge, which led to a series of conflicts known as the Jewish-Roman Wars. These were attempts by the Jewish people to shake off Roman rule. The political upheaval wasn't just background noise. It deeply influenced the writings of the time, including what is known as apocalyptic literature. These works, found among the Dead Sea Scrolls, often contain prophetic visions and symbolism focused on the end times. But it's essential to understand these texts as more than mere doomsday predictions. They can be seen as a form of coded resistance against the ruling powers. These apocalyptic writings often spoke of a future where oppressive empires would be overthrown, serving as both a critique of the present and a hopeful vision for the future. Within this context, some groups held expectations of a figure who would come to liberate them from their oppressors, a notion deeply influenced by the political and social struggles of the era. These themes can be seen in the writings of the Dead Sea Scrolls as well as other religious writings of the time. Adding another layer to this complex tapestry is the diversity of religious beliefs and practices of the time. Judaism was far from a monolithic faith. It was fragmented into various sects like the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Essenes, each with its own unique interpretation of scriptures and laws. The Essenes, for example, were a group that lived in communes and had a particular focus on purity and apocalyptic visions. This set the stage for what would be the birth of Christianity. It's worth noting that early Christianity was initially considered just another sect within Judaism, emphasizing the fluid nature of religious identity at the time. It wasn't until figures like Paul came along that Christianity began to distinguish itself as a distinct entity. Early Christian communities were quite distinct from today's mainstream practices. They often lived communally and held interpretations of Jesus' teachings that would be considered unconventional, if not heretical, by today's standards. Some even embraced Gnostic beliefs focusing on esoteric knowledge, secret or hidden wisdom aimed at spiritual enlightenment. These beliefs and practices echo the diverse religious landscape we see in the Dead Sea Scrolls, revealing a continuity of spiritual exploration and divergence. By understanding this context, it becomes evident that the Dead Sea Scrolls offer a glimpse into a world marked by a rich tapestry of beliefs and practices. This serves to underscore the fluid and complex nature of religious traditions during this period, leading to the modern versions of Judaism and Christianity. Part 3. Content of the Scrolls The Dead Sea Scrolls are a treasure trove of texts, each offering a unique perspective on the religious, legal, and social norms of their time. The collection is diverse, 
containing not just religious laws and prophecies, but also poetry, hymns, and even calendrical texts. This variety itself is a testament to the wildly differing nature of the communities that produce them. Among the scrolls, you'll find texts that are familiar, like the oldest known copy of the Book of Isaiah. This is a monumental find, offering scholars and historians a rare glimpse into the textual history of one of the most important books in the Hebrew Bible. But what's also intriguing are the non-canonical texts, those that didn't make it into the established religious scriptures. One standout is the Book of Enoch. While not part of the Hebrew Bible or Christian Old Testament, this text has a unique claim to fame. It's directly cited in the New Testament, in the Epistle of Jude. The book delves into the life of Enoch, a biblical figure said to have been taken to heaven without experiencing death, and is filled with apocalyptic visions and stories of heavenly ascents. Its influence reached deeply into early Jewish and Christian circles, who considered the book to be scripture, making it a significant text for understanding the religious landscape of the time. Another fascinating text is the War Scroll, which outlines a spiritual battle between the forces of good and evil. It's a detailed manual for warfare, specifying formations, trumpets, and even the prayers to be recited before engagement. The text reflects the apocalyptic mood of the time, capturing the essence of communities that saw themselves at the center of a cosmic conflict. Then there's the community rule, a sort of constitution for communal living that likely guided the Essenes. This text provides rules for everything from joining the community to the proper conduct of communal meals. It offers a glimpse into the daily life and governance of a group striving for spiritual purity. By examining the content of the Dead Sea Scrolls, we gain invaluable insights into the questions that occupied the minds of people over two millennia ago. These texts don't just offer us a window into the past. They serve as a mirror reflecting the complexities and challenges that come with any community's struggle to define itself. And there's still much more to explore. In the next section, we'll delve into how these ancient texts have shaped and been shaped by modern interpretations, adding yet another layer to their enduring significance. Part 4. Ripples Through Time, How the Scrolls Shape Our Understanding Alright, so we've talked about the discovery, the historical backdrop, and the diverse content of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now let's get into how these ancient parchments have rocked the boat in modern religious and historical studies. First up, let's talk about alternative interpretations of scripture. You see, the Dead Sea Scrolls offer different takes on texts that Jews and Christians hold dear. Take Pesher Isaiah, for example. This is a commentary on the book of Isaiah that offers a unique interpretation, often linking the prophecies to events and figures of the time. It's like reading the footnotes of a history book that's still being written. This shows that even back then, people were grappling with the meaning of sacred texts, and their interpretations could be wildly different from what's commonly accepted today. Now let's touch on the topic of the Messiah and the end times. The scrolls offer a variety of perspectives on these subjects, and they're not exactly in line with modern, mainstream views. Some texts talk about not just one, but multiple messiahs, a priestly one and a kingly one. Others delve into apocalyptic scenarios that are more complex and nuanced than the fire and brimstone tales we're used to hearing in today's world. Next, let's shift gears and talk about the Isaiah scroll. This isn't just any old manuscript. It's the oldest known copy of the book of Isaiah. What's fascinating is how closely it aligns with the versions many of us are familiar with, but it's not an exact match. There are differences, some just a word or two. But in the world of ancient texts, even a single word can be a big deal. 
These variations can lead to significant debate over the meaning of significant sections of the text. Older texts like this are closer to the original source, offering us the closest thing we have to a first edition. So if you're interested in getting as close as possible to the original texts, these older manuscripts are like gold mines of information. Interestingly enough, not all modern translations have caught up with these findings. Even ones nearly a century old, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, some, like the New King James Version, stick more to newer texts as their sources. It's not about one being better than the other, it's just a different approach to translation. But for those keen on historical accuracy, these older manuscripts offer some food for thought. And now let's get into some controversy, specifically the fragment known as 7Q5. This tiny scrap of papyrus has ignited debates among scholars. Some argue that it could be a piece of the Gospel of Mark. If true, this would be a game-changer, pushing back the dating of the book by a decade or two. What's written on it? Well, it's just a few lines, but those lines could potentially match up with a passage from the Gospel of Mark. However, let's be clear, the evidence is far from conclusive. The fragment is so small and the text so limited that it's like trying to identify a movie from a single frame. Still, the mere possibility stirs the pot and challenges accepted timelines of when Mark was written. So as you delve into ancient texts like the Dead Sea Scrolls, remember, the story isn't over. New discoveries continue to add layers of complexity to our understanding, offering us the chance to get closer to the original words and meanings. And that's something worth noting for anyone interested in the historical roots of these texts. Part 5. Guardians of History. Keeping the Scrolls Safe and Seen. Alright, let's pivot a bit and talk about the Herculean efforts that have gone into preserving these ancient scrolls. I mean, we're talking about parchment and papyrus that have survived for over two millennia in a desert, no less. Keeping them intact for future generations? That's no small feat. Initially, the scrolls were in rough shape, and early attempts to preserve them were, let's just say, not up to snuff. We're talking adhesive tape and household glue, stuff you'd find in a kindergarten art class. It wasn't until conservation experts stepped in that these texts got the TLC they deserved. Advanced imaging techniques like multispectral imaging and 3D scanning have been employed to not only preserve the physical scrolls, but also to reveal text that's faded over the years. This tech-savvy approach has been a game-changer, allowing scholars to dig even deeper into the scrolls' content without causing further damage. Now where can you actually see these scrolls today? Most of them are housed in the Israel Museum's Shrine of the Book in Jerusalem. It's like Fort Knox for ancient texts. The scrolls are kept in climate-controlled rooms, shielded from light and handled only by experts. But don't worry, you don't have to book a flight to Israel to get a glimpse. Many of the scrolls have been digitized and are available online, making it easier than ever for scholars and curious minds alike to explore these ancient texts from the comfort of their own homes. And let's not forget about the traveling exhibitions. These scrolls have been on the road, showcased in museums around the globe. It's a way to bring this incredible discovery to a broader audience, sparking interest and debate far beyond academic circles. Part 6. The Last Word. Why the Dead Sea Scrolls Still Matter. Alright folks, we've reached the end of our journey through the world of the Dead Sea Scrolls. From the arid cliffs of the Judean desert to the state-of-the-art, climate-controlled vaults of modern museums, it's been quite the adventure. These scrolls aren't just relics gathering dust. They're a portal into a world that was as complex and nuanced as our own. This was a society where different communities had their own takes on religious and moral questions, all coexisting in a single, tumultuous period. 
It's a reminder that even in ancient times, people were grappling with the same kinds of questions we ask today, albeit in a very different context. And let's not overlook the scrolls as a historical snapshot. They offer a glimpse into a society in flux, a society that was actively debating the big issues of the day. This wasn't a world of one-size-fits-all answers. It was a world of ongoing dialogue and debate, a world where the search for understanding was a communal effort. So what's the takeaway? If the Dead Sea Scrolls tell us anything, it's that our understanding of religious texts is deeply rooted in the time and place they come from. These texts were shaped by the questions and challenges of their era, just as our interpretations today are shaped by our own contemporary issues. As we wrap up, let's remember that the Dead Sea Scrolls are still speaking to us, still offering new insights as scholars continue to study and interpret them. And who knows what the next big discovery will be? It could be just around the corner, ready to add another layer to this endlessly fascinating story. Before we sign off, if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep exploring history's hidden corners with us, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Your support means the world and helps us keep this show going. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Time Capsule Tales. Until next time, keep that curiosity burning, and who knows where it might lead you. Cheers! Cheers!